Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus today, the risen King. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory! King of kings, Lord of lords, the great I am, who was and is and is to come, our healer, our redeemer, our victory, our Savior. Amen. You may be seated in the house of God. Thank you for coming ready to praise and worship today. Amen. We are going to do our pastor appreciation right now. It's the month of October, and Des has prepared a special announcement. Do you have special announcements for them? Okay, you're still going to do it. She did such an amazing job. Let's give it up for the band. They've been doing awesome. I asked Des to introduce... The pastors in the first service, she did an amazing job. She's going to do it now. And then we're going to talk a little bit about them and how awesome they are. Amen. How many, how many of you are excited to be a part of Metro Praise? Come on. We know that these pastors always go above and beyond for all of us, right? They love us through the ugliness. They help us. They correct us. They rebuke us. They teach us. They help us grow. They push us to be the best people, best sons and daughters that we can be for Jesus. Right? So, <clears throat> without further ado, I would like to call up a couple. There's a couple in this church that is so selfless. They've helped us in times of needs, in times of confusion. They've counseled us in our relationships, in our marriages. She's a woman who wears a smile that is so bright. You know it's because she loves Jesus so. She's not afraid to stand firm on Jesus' name. And he's a man who's a gentle giant, one who isn't afraid to rebuke, but with such a love in his voice, he loves without conditions and seeks to win all for Jesus. So let's call up Berto and Griselda Gouveia. may be seated. That's so awesome, Des. Thank you for that. How many feel the same way? That these are an awesome, this is an awesome family. These are awesome pastors. I want to call on just a few of you that have had your lives positively impacted by them. I see Cynthia Rodon. Can we get Cynthia a mic? You don't have to stand if you don't feel comfortable, but if you want to, you can. But I want just a few of you. I'm going to call on you, so just be ready for a word. You don't know if you'll get called on. Most of it's going to be people who have been around for a while, but can we go ahead and get her one of those mics? Thank you. As they're getting ready for that, I just want to say my words first. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for serving God the way that you do. You've encouraged me and my family for so many years. One of my biggest pet peeves, you know, is when... I, I offer your services to people, and then they say, no, I only want to talk to you. Those are spiritual nincompoops. They don't know what they're talking about. You are my pastors. You are my counselors. You are my Bible teachers. I love you so much. In the counsel of many, there's always wisdom. And Berto, you've been a great friend. You've been a great just, you know, example 
to me as well as a husband and a father. You've got three mighty boys, three mighty warriors right here. I love your boys. I love how you're raising your family. I love how you care for your wife. And um, Nancy will share in just a minute about Griselda, but do we got you a mic yet? Okay. Pick one, both. Let's go, Cynthia. Tell them how much you love them. I just want to say thank you throughout the years. It's been maybe going on 12. And um, you have been nothing but contagious. You have been so humble and giving. You have, I've seen you grow from a young lady to a wife, to a pastor. And I am so blessed to see and call you my pastor. Um, what could I say about this one here? The gentle giant, Berto, so loving, yet so correcting and just trustworthy, honest. I always feel so safe when you're around. God bless you. He gave you the correct um, heart for people and just continue to grow and make disciples and we'll continue to walk with you and watch you and celebrate you guys. I love you, Evan and uh, Manny and Edward as well. Amen. We love you guys. We love you. So good. There's been so many roles that they've had over the years. They do marriage counseling. They used to do young adults when they were young adults. Now you're older adults. You still could do young adults. You guys look young. And, uh, you know, when it comes to marriage counseling, they give such good advice because it's practical. It's based in their experience. And so if you're ever needing that, make sure to reach out to them. So I'm going to call on a couple who really needed marriage counseling. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to embarrass you like that. I love you guys. You helped to hold us together. Somebody should say that to them. Let me just say this. For those who are not good with speaking on their feet and doing all those things, or maybe even a little bit shy of sharing it all with them today in person, write them a letter. Put it on Facebook. Do something special for them. I would like to have TJ share next. He's one of our SUM students. He has a powerful testimony. He's been deeply impacted by Berto and the friendship that uh, they've had together looking up to men in the church. Go ahead and, uh, TJ, share your heart, man. Yeah, I just want to say thank you guys for all the times you have poured into me. Uh, I wouldn't be the man of God that I am today if it wasn't for Pastor Porter pouring into me every single you know, week. The times I've come to your house, just opening up your home to me. You're so, you guys are so welcoming and so home. Uh, just, yeah, hospitality is just all over you guys. And so I just thank you guys so much for just being the, the, the example you know what I mean? The example of holiness, the example of purity, the example of righteousness. You guys are amazing, and I love you guys so much, and thank you guys for impacting my life. Jay, thank you, my brother. I'm going to end with my wife, but I'm going to ask that, um, well, man, Humberto, he's translating. Is there any way we could have someone... Um, take turns with the translating, because I really think Humberto would have a wonderful word. Let's give it up for Salvador. Thank you. Salvador, I know, would share a lot of wonderful things, too. But one of the things that we hear so often in our church is, man, you're a church of young adults. You're a church of young adults. I want people to be older like me to hang out. Well, first of all, we didn't get called to start a church in a nursing home. So if you're that old, I'm sorry. Get used to hanging around young people and have some spizzerinkdom, okay? Number one. Number two, you don't have to be a redheaded stepchild that wet your bed at night till you were 10 years old to relate to another person in life, okay? You can find people to relate to. And what I love about Humberto and Kirsten and their wonderful family, they are now newly grandparents. Let's give it up for them. God bless you guys. Um, is that they always 
received from the Goveas. They always welcomed them into their lives, and they did prayer meetings together and served God together. And Humberto yesterday kept up with all of these young guys. And uh, Humberto, would you just share some words from your heart, speak on behalf of your family? Thank you so much. Amen. Um, uh, okay, just a, a brief uh, picture. Yesterday morning, this was the last minute call, and we needed people to be there. We needed young men to be there. And who is there but pastors Griselda and Berto? It's like, whoa, you know, those are the examples that we look for. You know, uh, there is, um, I like to put it this way. I don't mind them being mad at me, okay? Because if they are, they have more than enough reason to be mad at me. And I am more than glad. It's like, you know what? I missed something, and let it be them telling me because I missed it. And, and it's because of their love, their service. And we, we've seen many, you know, we've been around, like Pastor mentioned, and, and these are... The, uh, the cream of the crop. If you wish, if you wish to be blessed, hang out with them, get in trouble with them, okay? That way, when you get in trouble, you get to spend time with them. And that's the, that's the best excuse to have to spend time. It's like getting in trouble and then, oh, they got to call you for counseling. Come, okay, Pastor Vero, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Minister to me, pouring to me. Praise God. So, their blessing. Amen. Uh, top of the line. Thank you, man of God. I love that. Yes, your church, by God's grace, gave out ten, uh, gave out a thousand boxes of food yesterday. Let's give it up for Jesus and distributing food. I don't mean to have a man sickness, but when I do, I make my wife take care of me as she does everything else. But I do have some boo-boos on my hand from that yesterday. Are you sore? Do you have, like, scars a little bit? Yeah, that was a lot. I think at least 500 of those boxes went through my hands. But God was good, and they were there, and that's amazing. Nancy, would you come forward and bless Griselda as well as Berto? Would you give it up for Nancy, my wife, as she comes? Share whatever's on your heart as well. Well, when I think of both of them as individuals, but I will definitely speak to a personal word to Griselda, but a word that comes to my mind when I think of both of them as individuals is faithful. They have been faithful to the Lord, to God's church, and as friends personally to Joe and I all throughout the years. And I want to say thank you so much. And I want to let you guys know they are not people pleasers and they are not people fearers. They, all they do is for the audience of one, and it shows. Everything they do, day in and day out, serving God's church, building God's people, opening up their home, preaching the gospel, studying God's word, is for the audience of one. It's all for their Lord and Savior because of what he did for them. And I want to let you guys know that the spirit of excellence and joy and passion and dedication that you have is a gift to us as a church your friendship to me, Griselda, over the years means so much to me. From the day that you came into my life, I know Su Pastor Susie plays a big role in that. Um, how God saved you, set you free, the leader that you have become, 
uh, and the co-laborers that we get to be together is a gift and a treasure to me. And I know that I say this verse to you guys often, but I want to let you know that many people proclaim their love, but a faithful person who can find the Bible says. And I also want to close out with this one. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. And you guys have been such an example of standing firm, grounded in the truth of God's word, word and not letting anything move you. Not the spirit of fear, not people's opinions, nothing that has ever happened uh, through this ministry. You have been strong pillars in the church of God. And then it says, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And you guys have given fully, abundantly, above and beyond because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know that it's not in vain. God will give you 30, 60, 100 times uh, the fruit being multiplied into your lives. Amen? Amen. That was my word. Well, let's give it up for that good word. Thank you, baby boo. Let's get our gifts out of the office if you can, Nancy. I appreciate that. We're just going to bless you with tokens of our heart and appreciation. Would everybody stand up, please? And let's do the Pentecostal thing. Stretch your hands toward them as a sign of agreement. We're going to pray for them and bless them in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for what you have done in Berto and Griselda's life. We thank you for their children. We thank you for the heritage that you're starting for them to hand down. We thank you for the gift that they are to this ministry, the, the way that they serve, the way they love and lead. We just pray blessings upon them, health and strength and vitality. We pray for their children to enjoy the days of service here in the ministry with them as a family. Provide for them, make ways for them, favor them and all that they do, Lord. And may we appreciate them and show them our gratitude from day to day. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. We love you. What's up? All right. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Enjoy those goodies. You may be seated once again. We had a special conference this weekend over the church, at the church. One of the things that I felt God told us to do once we opened up and we got blasted all over the news and everything with the mayor and all kinds of situations that have come after that is to be open to what God is doing in the nation as we make kingdom connections. So we have a kingdom connection here today, and I want to invite uh, his family, his wife, to come up, Brother Devin and Sister Georgia. Would you come on up? Would you bless them? And here's the kingdom connection. They're going to tell you what they're standing for, but basically they are a hedge of protection for the church against the wickedness of uh, homosexuality, LGBTQ, and all this stuff coming to our schools, right? Brother, tell us all about it. We got that mic. Sorry I had to take it away from you there. Uh, go ahead. Share your heart. Praise the Lord. Well, God bless y'all. It's awesome to be here. We see a lot of churches, and uh, man, there really is a signature of the remnant in this church. I love what I saw on the front, right on the other side of that wall when I walked in. Most of the church doesn't realize we're actually supposed to take over planet Earth. It says out there, it says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. The ecclesia of God is supposed to disciple nations. We're supposed to take over the schools, the government, the media, every different sphere of influence we're supposed to take over for Jesus Christ. Sadly, the church has had an eschatology mindset of I'm going to fly away. And then we let 
the homosexuals disciple a nation. We let them take the schools. But God told me, he said, if the gatekeepers will put their foot back in the schools, I'll give them the schools back. America started with the churches teaching schools. Our founding father said, is there not danger when a nation teaches that may in some instance teach another God's law? And this, this country was the only country in the history of the world other than Israel that was actually built on the word of God. Our founding father said, all civil law must rest upon the law which is divine. He said, religion and law are twin sisters. Indeed, these two sciences run into each other. They are mutual assistance and cannot be separated. But the church shrank back from the battle in the schools. But God has said, if we'll put our foot back in the schools, he'll give us the schools back. In 2018, I had a dream, and God told me, in the dream, I prophesied, we're going to bring the Bible and prayer back into schools. A prophet stood up in the dream and said, I prophesied that to him eight years ago. When she prophesied it to me, I said, how in the world can you do that? But when I woke up, God told me, he said, I'm going to show you how to get the tax money back, and the president's going to be working with you. Ever since we started this, the president has begun to move in the vein of school choice. In fact, he just gave a commitment and said in his second term, he will make school choice a reality. We have not had that opportunity. That, this is what that means, Pastor. It means that $11,000 to $20,000 per child would be accessible to the church. Or parents that want to homeschool their children. That's powerful. Nelson Mandela said, the most powerful weapon by which you can change the world is education. Now, if we're going to disciple nations, it'd be foolish for us to think that we can teach kids for a couple hours a week and then send our kids to an antichrist indoctrination camp for eight hours of their day and actually be successful in discipling. God told me 15 years ago to be successful in the inner city. That's what I'm called to. The worst of the worst. I believe we're all called to that. It's not the healthy you need a doctor, but it's the sick. He said to be effective in the inner city, you'll have to unify the church, and to unify the church will be harder than going to the inner city. To be able to deal with territorial devils, you need territorial agreement. Church, I love what he's doing. He's partnering with the local body of Christ because he has an understanding that there's one church. And for us to take Chicago, we're going to need territorial agreement. For us to take Illinois, we're going to need territorial agreement. Every time one of us agrees and unifies with another believer, we become ten times more powerful. Do you know that our government came out of heaven? Isaiah 33, 22. He is your king, he is your lawgiver, and he is your judge. The three branches of government, Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay? And for us to operate correctly, you want to take over America? That's what we need to do. I don't know if we're keeping up with current events, but it doesn't look like the church is in charge. But God wants to bring a paradigm shift, y'all. The government rules by the consent of the people. And if we don't say anything or we don't do the right thing, then we consent. This is what we need to know. Together, we have the power to shift nations. God had me name my ministry Voices of Mercy 
outreach ministries 15 years ago. And this is why. Because I'm a voice that testifies to the mercy of God. I used to be addicted to all kinds of different things, and God set me free. But the, the name of the ministry is Voices, plural. Because our voices together have the power to shift the nation. We have a mandate to go to every house in the United States of America with a born-again, spirit-filled believer. And this campaign is just a great excuse to be at every door with a spirit-filled believer. We show up to a door and we say, hey, we're in the neighborhood telling people about legislation that will greatly affect you and your family. Have you heard of the H.R. 5 Equality Act? Who's heard of it here? That's a problem. You know why? Because the Bible says the people perish for a lack of knowledge. And nobody in here has the knowledge of what the devil's doing in the nation. That's dangerous. It's a bill that seeks to edit the 1964 Civil Rights Act. It passed through the House of Representatives by a landslide. But if it's passed into law, it'll make it legal for a grown man to go to the same bathroom as your little girl or granddaughter. When we say that to people at the door, they're usually looking through a four-inch crack. And when I say that, they said, what? And they come out the door, and then we give the Holy Ghost preeminence, and he gets to do everything he wants to do. Sometimes it's just a word of knowledge, but when we encounter a person that is hungry for the presence of God, but has never met God, the original form of evangelism activates. The peace of God falls on that person where you can't even talk. But if you don't disengage, you don't have to talk. Because God begins to talk. We see these people begin to confess their deepest secrets right in the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And these people are inviting us back into our, their homes. And God told us, disciple them in their homes. He, he showed me this with a drug dealer. This drug dealer, wanted, he, he, the pit power of God fell on him. And he goes, I got to tell my family first. And he goes, but my family's not going to listen to me because I ain't living right. He said, I got to go to church. He said, what church? And before he got church out of his mouth, the Lord spoke to me. He said, don't bring him to church. You ever thought about why God said, go, make disciples? He said, because if you bring him to church, none of the drug dealers that are underneath him will come. He said, but if you'll disciple him in his home, every drug dealer underneath him, once he's born again, will come to his house because of curiosity. He says once they get into the close proximity of the contagious, life-changing power of Jesus, every drug dealer underneath him will get born again. He said, son, this is the form of evangelism I gave the 12 and the 70. It has the power to take the land back. And it's so big that it will engage the whole church. So our, our thing that we did here yesterday was we, we showed what was going on in the school system. And we really have a duty to go in and save these children. If the Bible tells us, blessed is the man who does not sit in the council of the ungodly, it sounds like sin if we send our kids to a place they say God's not welcome to counsel our children. Okay? But this thing is a blessing for the church. We actually just spoke about what was happening in the church. We showed the blueprint. There were those that said, hey, I'm going to go send me. We actually have a small hand shift nation's toolbox where it is the whole thing in a turnkey 
presentation, and you'll be armed and dangerous if that's something you want to be a part of. We look for people to do five different things. We look for people that will go present this campaign to church. We have everything put together for you. We look for people that are willing to go door to door. We look for people that are willing to disciple sons of peace. Those people will organically come back to your church. We look for people who want to start Christian schools. On our resource page, a Renew a Nation will help you from start to finish. Start a Christian school. My wife just uh, started one, a whole homeschool co-op. Twelve kids learning the Word of God every single day now. Saving the kids, y'all. They, they depend on us. We, we got to protect these kids. And then we look for people that want to be Christian educators or they want to be administrators in schools. And so that's what we did in your church yesterday. And I thank y'all so much for opening up your church, Pastor. And it says it right on that wall right there, to disciple nations. So God bless you and thank you, Pastor. Amen. Thank you, brother and sister. You can hand it to her right there. Thank you. Man, that's such an answer to prayer because we want to start a Christian school that's based in the homeschooling program, if not to the homeschooling network and a school. So may God bless what he has put in your heart to do, and may we stay partnered together and all of us here hear what he's saying. So much knowledge on that. Um, and if you're going to be out after service in the back, people can talk to you. Awesome. Let's open up our Bibles to Psalm chapter 1, which was already confirmed by what he was saying. This is right where God told me to be today. Somebody say bless. Amen. In the midst of our cultural revolution, in the midst of us taking a stand as warriors for Christ during this time, we cannot forget that God's original intent for creating us was to be blessed. Sometimes people ask me, are you one of those uh, faith preachers? I'm like, what's the other option, a doubt preacher? Yes, I'm a faith preacher. What do you want me to talk about? Doubting God, doubting his word. I want to talk about faith. Sometimes people ask me, they say, well, are you a prosperity preacher? Well, I'm not a failure preacher. I don't want you to fail. But I know what they mean by that. They mean a superficial gospel that doesn't talk about repentance, that doesn't put the word of God first. Of course, I am not that. If you know me, and if you don't know me, I'll just tell you right now, I ain't that, okay? I am not a shallow preacher. Matter of fact, my dream is to get more influence so I can speak to a lot of those preachers. I want to be able to impact them with a love for God's scripture again before they wander off from the truth. So many of them even right now are being led astray into apostasy. And one of the uh, avenues, is through homosexuality. They think by having compassion, they have to approve of it, and there they find themselves now as false teachers. But by God's grace, today I want to present to you a biblical message of encouragement about being blessed. Somebody say blessed. Amen. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, David is speaking. He says, blessed is the man, or blessed is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners and that they take or sit in the seat or the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. One more time, somebody say blessed. Blessed, thank you. This is not a shallow term. This is not something based upon blessings. Let's be very clear here at the beginning. I'm not talking about you receiving more blessings, though I believe those will come. Blessings in the sense of more things, a better job, more finances, things like that. That's not what David is talking about here. As a matter of fact, when you read that word in the Hebrew, it simply means happy is the one. 
Happy is the one who does these things. And what that is teaching us is that we are supposed to have an awareness of God's goodness in our life that impacts our emotions and then that is expressed through our everyday life. In other words, if God has saved you, your face should show it. Amen? Your face should show that you're saved. Your countenance should show that you're saved. Now, some people think, well, happiness is just based on happenstance, so that's a shallow word and joy is better. But I want to tell you that you can be joyful and happy at the same time. But if you want to think of the word joyful every time I say happy, that's okay. But the Hebrew dictionary has happy here. Happy is the one who does these things. And that's good for us to know because God wants us happy. God wants us to be at peace. A sign of spiritual maturity is going to be you living life without going emotionally through the ups and downs of your environment. Spiritual maturity will be shown in your life and mine when we can have an emotional peace, an emotional state of joy and happiness that leans in towards God and is not easily blown towards the things of this world. Just think about every person that you've met that's spiritually mature. Were they bipolar in their emotions? And I don't mean to put down people who suffer from bipolarism. I'm just saying like in the sense when you were around them, were they fickle in their emotions? No, the people that I know that are spiritually mature and have walked the life of faith, they are even keeled and they lean towards Christ and his peace and his joy and his optimism. I consider myself mature, and that's why I'm a teacher. Otherwise, I ought to sit down and learn today, though I'm, of course, still a student, but I have to be mature to offer this to you as a sermon. I have to live it first, and if you're around me, if you're around my family, they'll testify that I lean towards the optimism of the Bible. I'm leaning towards the peace of God. I'm not waking up every day, shaking in my boots, wondering what's happening, and as I've noticed my spiritual life over the past 20 years, and much of that being in ministry, I've noticed that the devil has the same old tricks. And if you can just learn to see where he's coming before he even gets there, you'll stop falling for it. In other words, when you see people talk bad about you, you know what the devil's doing. He's trying to rob your self-confidence. The devil did that with Jesus. If you're the son of God, do this, this. Where is the devil going with sending haters into your life? He wants you to doubt yourself. He wants you to doubt your calling. He wants you to doubt whether or not God's going to keep his word. So when you see that a mile off, just stop it in Jesus' name and meditate on the word of the Lord and believe what God said about you. I thank God that we are not handcuffed to anybody else's destiny. If I was handcuffed to them, I would probably be waking up from a hangover right now because a lot of people have left the church and gone back to their sin. But I'm here going from glory to glory to glory. Amen. And God wants us that way. God wants us blessed. As you saw Jesus living his life, Jesus was not fickle with the crowd. Jesus was not moved by what they were doing or saying. Even his closest friends, he knew that God was closer and that God had his back. Happy is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Right now, we're being bombarded by wicked counsel from the secular schools, from the government, from a lot of these uh, movements that are happening right now, and we ought not to walk with them. They had a woman's march just this past weekend, marching for the right to murder their unborn children. Somebody say, wicked. That is wicked. So we should not walk with them. 
I had a woman in the church say to me one time, well, I want to walk with him in agreement to all the other things. I said, could you imagine if there were people walking for pro-slavery, but as they were walking for pro-slavery, they were also walking to pave the roads and do all of these other things nice in your community. Would you join with them to walk in that march just so you could get nice roads while they're marching for the purpose of pro-slavery? Of course not. Why don't we see abortion the same way? Why don't we see these things as atrocities? Because we've become numb. We've walked with them as a culture for so long that Oprah Winfrey's voice sounds just like the preacher's voice, sounds just like your voice. That's why most people don't feel convicted. They don't have anything to be convicted by. They're hearing the things of the world. And then when a preacher comes and preaches the word of God, they think what we're saying is hateful. What I'm doing is preaching the truth and love, and that is a blessing to the hearer. Amen. So if people around you hate you at this time, that's pretty much a star next to your name. You're doing something right. I remember talking to a woman that came to our church and she was telling about how she found us from the reviews. And I said, oh no, you had, you had looked at the reviews, huh? Because we went from a five star to a three star. And she says, no, I actually loved it because she said at this time, if they're saying something bad about you, that's something good because you're taking a stand for Jesus. We don't just want to go with the flow. We don't want to sound and talk like everybody else. Not at this hour. Never, of course, but especially at these times. Who are you listening to? You know, I understand that the wicked can show us things that bring us certain kinds of success. When I go to Apple and they're fixing a computer, I don't ask them the creed that they believe before they can fix my Apple iPhone. The wicked do have knowledge and, and things that they can share with us. What the Bible is saying is that we're not taking our life advice from them. We're, we're not going to them looking to guide us in the things of life. We're taking that counsel and the counsel of many. We're doing that from the word of God and the people of God. We're not standing in the ways that sinners stand, what they're standing for. I know like many of you, uh, you were probably like me, you know, when you saw the unjust killing of, of, um, of, of George Floyd, you probably wanted justice. You wanted something to be done. But then instantly people started burning down cities. And then how many of you stepped back and go, well, that's not what I want. I want justice, but I don't want a city to burn down. What are we doing here? It would be the same thing like somebody cuts me off in traffic and then I slap my wife. What does my wife have to do with me being in traffic and somebody doing something bad? Praise God that I would never do that. It's a hideous example. But you're burning down your city. You're like, you're like hey, I'm upset with this person. This let's just light the place on fire. What are we expecting to accomplish? It's foolishness, but people in the name of Christ said, I'm going to stand with them. I'm going to stand with them. Didn't you hear that a lot? Well, I just have to stand with them. I have to stand and identify with their pain. I'm like, if this is their pain, I don't want to see them angry. You know what I'm saying? If this is when you're sad, what do you do when you're mad? And I know it was a mixture of both, but it's like, no, I'm going to stand over here. I'm going to stand on the side of righteousness where I can understand we need justice, but we also need to act justly. The same thing with our, our politicians. You know, there's things that you can agree with. There's things you disagree with. Make sure that you're always standing on the side of righteousness. And then where are you sitting? I think about where I sit, where I'm at my computer, and who I'm listening to. I don't know about you, but I can find myself watching the weirdest of videos from, from one video to the next. And all of a sudden, now I'm watching some video between like an anaconda and an alligator watching who's going to win because it just went from one video to the next. How many have been there? And it, keep, it keeps feeding you video after video. And then you're like, man, I think the anaconda is going to win. And I, and I just watched a half hour of my life go by. But I can't tell you how many times 
times I've been convicted by what I laugh at or what I watch because it comes on so fast, and I'm sitting there absorbing that information. And then a lot of them, they're mocking God. You know, we're, we're paying them $10 to mock our God in the movies. We're, pay, you know, paying 99 cents to download their songs that mock our God. We need to be careful with our resources and careful with who we're sitting and listening to. And so think about this. Can you think of any other position in life that you'll be in other than walking, standing, or sitting? I mean, running can be a form of walking, laying down can be a form of sitting, but can you think of a posture that you'll take in life other than walking, standing, or sitting? I don't think so. The Bible is covering everywhere we're going to go in life, and God is teaching us, don't do it this way. Do it my way, and you'll be happy. You see, this may cost you something. See, Paul was happy and had inward joy, though he was suffering persecution. So I'm not preaching to you one of those shallow prosperity messages that say when you're doing God's will, everything goes right. That's not true. Paul got beheaded. How many know that's not right? How many don't want to get beheaded today? You want to live. But how many know he was prosperous? He was blessed. He was emotionally at a good place with God. He was so good that when they arrested him, he could sing in the midnight hour. He could give God praise even through the situations of his life. And so you may face troubles. I will face troubles as I'm doing things right. When I was doing things right during this season, we lost some people, but you know why we did? So they could make room for you to sit in these chairs in Jesus' name. Amen? So you didn't have to stand out in the rain today. You could come and take their chair. And if we have to go to three services or four, we will because we do want to see it packed out. But I love what my wife says, just making more room for the laborers. Because Jesus said, don't pray for pew sitters. Don't pray for people who just want to sit down and do nothing. He said, pray for laborers. He said, pray for them because the harvest is great. So I don't know about you, but I'm sure at times you've done the right thing. You've had the wrong outcome. In the world's mind, you faced suffering. But can I encourage you today? You're still blessed. When people were leaving our church, I was still blessed. When people were writing things about us, I was still blessed. When you are going through the situations of life, you are blessed when you're doing God's work. What does it say to do then? Delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on his law day and night. They say we think about 6,000 thoughts a day. 6,000 thoughts a day are going through our mind. And the Bible says, put your mind on Christ every day, all day and all night. Just think to yourself, if you had 10 negative thoughts a day, what's 10% of 6,000? That's 600 thoughts. That's almost a thousand negative thoughts. Negative thoughts influencing your words, influencing your behavior, influencing your family or how you think about your marriage or your life. That's just 10%. How many would be honest and say at times of your life you face 20, 30, 40, if not half of your thoughts negative? And then we wonder why people are depressed. And then we try to pump them up with chemicals, but right now there's a move in that, in that movement to get away from that and get them to think the thoughts again about God. And we need to support people like Darryl, uh, Dr. Caroline Leaf who are teaching the renewal of the mind instead of just drugging each other up when we feel that we're depressed. I'm not saying there may not be a place for medication, but have you tried meditating on the Lord's word for you, the law of the Lord day and night? And sometimes we think of meditation like the crooked chicken wearing yoga pants, right, doing all these crazy things, being vegan. Dear Lord, what has gotten into the church? Now, there's nothing wrong if you want to do that for exercise, but if they start giving you some secret mantra, speak in tongues, rebuke the devil, and get out of there, amen? Okay, but, you know, you can exercise, you can take deep breaths, that's all good and, and fine. But before all of that, the Scripture was talking about biblical meditation, 
As a, as a cow has multiple stomachs is where this comes from. And as the cow digests the food from one stomach to the next to the next, because have you ever wondered how a brown cow can eat green grass and produce white milk? That's a wonder of the world, isn't it? Green grass, brown cow, white milk. Well, it has multiple stomachs, and it does. It has multiple stomachs. And so when that word in the Hebrew comes out, meditate, it's talking about chewing and, and continuing to bring up into remembrance the things of God because they do kind of bring it up a little bit. I'm not going to be gross here as it's moving from one stomach to the next. But you and I are to place our focus on God every day and to see him as our filter. When I go to the faucet, I trust the filter when I drink the water. You and I need to filter every thought through the word of God and not trust just our emotions, not trust just our feelings, not even trust what a pastor would say. Trust what the word of God says, amen, and let every thought be filtered through the word of God. And I promise you, because there's a lot of mature saints in here, there's a lot of people who have been walking with the Lord for a while, I promise you, you'll be blessed. I promise promise you, you'll be happy and content, full of the fruit of the Spirit, despite what's going on around you. But I thank God that he does more than just give us inner peace. Inner peace is good. How many like inner peace? But how many know your uh, landlord doesn't take inner peace for rent this month? How many know inner, <laughs> come on somebody, how many know inner peace doesn't fill up the gas tank? You could say, inner peace, go into my tank. I bless this tank in Jesus' name with inner peace. You can try to do the street fighter hyunkin and send your inner peace into that gas tank, into that McDonald's cash register, but it doesn't work. You need things on top of inner peace, and I thank God for a Bible that lives in the real world. It's realistic, and it gives us the, the methods of true biblical prosperity. As we have inner peace, look at what happens in our life. Verse 3, that person, this person at inner peace with God, happy and content, full of joy, knowing his word, meditating on it, is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do, prosper. Say it like a good faith church today. Whatever they do, prospers. So do I believe in the prosperity gospel? Yes, I do. It's right there. Whatever I do will what? Prosper. Now, could God have left me at inner peace and say, you're just going to be broke, busted, and disgusted the rest of your life, and that's the way it's going to be? He could have. I like the way John Wimber said, once God bought me, he can spend me on bubble gum. But how many are glad God has better plans than just spend you on bubble gum today? He wants to prosper you. The gospel says to the poor, be poor no more. Or like my friends from the inner city say, be poor no more. Are you listening? Come on. I, I worked in the inner city for a while. I can hang a little bit. But then again, everybody talks different. Don't just think I'm being racialist up here. Okay, give this white boy a chance to preach. But he says to the poor, you don't have to be poor anymore. He says to the one that's been out of his mind, possessed by demons, he says, hold, hold up. I know you want to come on a mission trip, but dude, you got to put some clothes on and go back to your family and work a job. He sends the demonized man back home to take care of his house. Are you listening? you got to have things in order to go on a mission trip like Peter and John and the rest of them. And so we need prosperity. 
Now, what is prosperity? Everybody can have their own definition. For you, it may be working a good job, paying your bills, you know. For another person, it may be setting goals that, that you would achieve this kind of a status or to have this kind of a home. I'm not here to judge on your level of prosperity. I'm not going to hate. I'll celebrate. Amen? And so we shouldn't look around at each other going, oh, man, you're prospering too much. You're prospering too much. Because I guarantee you, my friend in Bible college thinks we're all prospering too much. Because what do you do in Bible college except drink Mountain Dew, pass gas, and debate all night long. And my, my yeah, you know what I'm talking about, brother. And, and, my de- and my debate partner was my roommate, and he was convinced that anything other than shopping secondhand was greed. So you buy, I mean, this was his thinking. I can, I can regurgitate the argument to you right now because I've heard it so much. Cloth is cloth. Everybody got cloth on, right? Well, what do you think they got at Salvation Army? Cloth. So why are you going to go buy it new? You can go buy it over there. If you go buy it new and not over there, you're greedy. That's what he used to tell me. I'm just being honest with you. People will try to judge your prosperity based on their conviction. I'm like, good, dude. You want to wear Salvation Army? You do that. You do that as long as you want to do that. You want to drive a broke-down car because a car is a car is a car. That's fine. But I've got some dreams and goals in life, amen? And so here's my whole thing. In your prosperity, as long as you're not stealing and breaking God's commands, that is between you and God. There are some of the most wealthy of the world, and they say, we're going to give away 90%. That's between them and their conscience. There are some Christians that say that, I want to give away 90% and live off 10. That is fine. We shouldn't be judging each other on that. What we should be doing is encouraging each other to be blessed by the, uh, the criteria that we learned up here, and then let God prosper his people as they so desire. Some of you want to start a business. Some of you want to work for a business. You say, I don't want all that responsibility. See, one wants that was responsibility. One doesn't. One says, man, I can go shop at Salvation Army. The other one says, I have a goal to have a nice kind of Stacy Adam pair of shoes or whatever's popular these days. And I'll just tell on my wife right now, my wife wanted some kind of purse. I don't even remember the name of it. What is the, where did my wife go all of a sudden? She knows just when to leave. It wasn't coach, but it was one of these other purses. And like all of a sudden, what does everybody think? They stole it from the offering. They stole it. Mama needed a new purse, and she went back there and said, let me get some of this money right here. Okay, and then, you know, that's silly. No, what happened was my, my wife got into a terrible accident. I was driving, and uh, uh, sadly, we got, we got hit, and it broke her ankle. Mama had to go to the hospital. Some of you were around at that time. But then we went to court, and somebody said, they got paid. We got paid, man. We got paid for all that trauma, man. And it was, dra- it was trauma and drama for your mama. It was my mama. She couldn't even, you were there, mama. This is another mama, her, my mama's mama. She couldn't even go up the stairs. I had to go and buy an Ikea bed, put it on the first floor. I mean, they had to have the nurses come every day. And so, and, and thank God in our government, in our, uh, in our world, that you can actually have a lawyer do something good every now and then, amen. And so that lawyer got us paid. And what was the first thing she wanted? To you know, after she tithed and gave all the offerings, she wanted that purse. Now, if you want to shame my wife for that purse, I'll let you try that. 
But the Bible says whatever they do prospers. Now, what they do with that prosperity should be filtered through the kingdom of God. My wife gives away purses. My wife gives away clothes. We, you know, sometimes I, I just be honest with you, I feel real bad with pastors when they go into these side businesses because they have all of these, uh, you know, people following them and influences, you know, uh, in, their influence, and all of a sudden now they want to sell you herbal life, you know, or they're starting to be a health coach. I talked to one the other day. He even resigned from being a pastor because he's making so much money being a health coach. I'm like, first of all, man, you got fat and lost weight, and then now you the coach. How about the one who never got fat and had to lose it? Maybe you, maybe I need your coach. But anyways, I got fat and lost weight too. But I always make these guys mad because I give away my secrets for free. You want a free health coach right here? You don't have to join my program. Eat less, move more. And God's people said, amen. So once again, you don't know somebody's glory. Uh, you don't know. You shouldn't criticize somebody's glory unless you know their story. You know, you, you might see my wife walking around with a purse and you're thinking, oh man, she took that from the church. That came from an offering. Man, no, that came from a lawyer doing something good in this world and helping my wife from her pain and suffering. I mean, let's just look at it right now. In Silicon Valley, in, in downtown Chicago, and all these places of commerce, do you think they're saying, no, let's not expand anymore. Let's not put out any more Starbucks. Do you think that's what the CEO of Starbucks is saying today? No, let's not develop any more coffee shops. And so this is the way I look at it. When it comes to the kingdom of God, we're humble. We're givers. When it comes to the business world, we're going to kick their butts in Jesus' name. I want the next, I want the next by God's grace, the next coffee company to come from this church, and we'll put those on every corner. Let the next business come from here, amen? And once again, if that is not your heart, if you're like, man, I'm happy being the janitor of McDonald's, then be prosperous where God has placed you. But we shouldn't back off or back down, such a confirmation to our brother's word. We shouldn't do that in this culture right now and say, well, it's time to head for the hills. Has anybody ever met an Amish person? I used to live with the Amish. First, they smell, but they're nice people. Do you know why they smell? smell? Because they don't believe in the kind of things we believe in. They think that's all vanity. Going back to my friend in Bible college, I used to tease him. I go, and you can give up a car too, and you can drive a horse and buggy if you want, bro, and you can make your own clothes. Just go all the way, man. Live off the land. He used to get upset when I would do that too. But but that, that's not the call for us right now. We are not called to go be Amish. We are called to be world changers, history makers. We are called, like my brother was saying from the scriptures, to disciple nations. And we don't do that just with inner peace. From inner peace, we invade the spears of influence and bring the gospel and the kingdom forth. You are there on your job to prosper. As I've said before, even if you work for a non-Christian boss, let's say you work for Apple, Apple CEO right now is a homosexual. As much as you can with your Christianity, work in Apple and become the next CEO. And then when it's your time to give your little speech at the end of the year, instead of talking about your lover and all the LGBTQ things you're happy about, you can read this scripture to them and say, let's do this in Jesus' name. Now, I know in this world they're trying to stop us from excelling, but it's not over yet. We are not the underground church yet, though there are some things that we have had to go underground on, like this service we're having right now, but we will still be an influence as long as we can. Amen? But the Bible says in verse 4, not so the wicked. See, this is the ultimatum of the Scripture. The Scriptures always carry an ultimatum. It's not just like, well... I'm good. You know, you ever talk to people and they're like, they say, I'm good. You try to witness to them and you're like, hey, man, you got time to talk about Jesus and what do they say? No, I'm good. Like, no, you're not good. You're on your way to hell. <laughs> you need to stop and think about this for a minute. 
It's not just like we're now offering them the upgrade. Like they're good, you know, they've got the car, but now we're offering them the Sirius radio or we're offering them, you know, the rims or something. No, listen to me. Without God, you're not good. Without God, you are a sinful, wicked sinner on your way to hell deserving the wrath of God. We're not good. So here's the thing. The wicked, by definition, are wicked because they're not blessed. They're not good. They are under the curse of God. And why have they remained in that state? Is it just their sin only? No, it is their rebellion that leads towards the lifestyle of sin. Because when we come to Christ, do we come to Christ by good works to be saved? No, so it's not our good works that save us. And in other words, it's not their bad works that ultimately damn them. It is their choice to remain in their evil works and receive the wages of sin. Did you all get that today? What caused Eve to sin before she sinned? The matter of the will, the rebellion against God. Then she sinned against God. It started in her heart that I don't have to listen to God. And the one who's not listening to God then is wicked. So what do the wicked need to do? Do they, do they need to reform themselves, become better people? No, the wicked need to repent for their mindset of unbelief and self-worship and worship God. They need to repent and say, not my will, but your will be done, and they'll be wicked no more. Amen? But the wicked who remain in the will opposed to God will always bear the fruit of sin. They're going to hell because they have chose to do so, and their sins will now be the judgment upon them, and they will receive the wages of sin, which is what? What is the wages of sin? Death. They are like the chaff, thank you, that the wind blows away. That shell among the wheat, as they're shaking it out, the wind would just take it. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assemblies of the righteous. So as we were talking about before, you know, Bill Gates may have some money now. They may be able to help us with their technology. A Christian doesn't have to reinvent everything to use it. We can use it right now on their behalf with their patents or the the things that they've done. That's true. But how do they fail in the end? The wicked fail. No matter how prosperous they are on this earth, they fail because they are sinners and apart from God and they won't even be able to stand on that day of judgment, every knee bowing, and then they're cast into the lake of fire. Is that what you want? No, that's not what, is that what you want for your neighbor? No, Vinny, would you come please in closing? Read verse six with me together on the count of three. One, two, three. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. We're blessed when we follow the word of God. We're blessed when we do it God's way, not our way. When we decide in our hearts that we're going to submit to the things of God and resist the counsel of the wicked, standing where sinners stand and sitting and being influenced by the mockers, we will see God prosper our lives. We'll see God bless us. He'll take care of us, keep his word. How many believe there's good promises in the Bible? Amen. And then the wicked will perish. As we get ready to close out, I just want to make sure that during this season, everyone has their life right with God. If you're not born again, do so even right now as we get into an attitude of prayer. Father, I ask that those who don't know you will know you personally. That those who have chosen to follow their own path will accept your path for them. Even as I'm praying right now, if you want to confess Jesus as Lord, just do it. With your own words from your heart saying, Jesus, I believe you're Lord. You died and were buried and rose again 
to save me, to change me, to bless me, to give me inner peace. As I'm praying for those who don't know Jesus, our altar workers will start coming now. If you even want to come from where you're at, you can. Someone will pray with you privately. But as we're praying right now, looking at our hearts, making sure that none of us are separated from God, how about the Christians that are here? Have you allowed any of these influences into your life? In just a few moments, we'll dismiss with worship and prayer time. Everyone's welcome to come forward. But even right now, I want you to look at your heart as I search mine. Are we blessed? Are we righteous or are we wicked? Because some of us have said, Lord, Lord, I believe. But by our acts of disobedience, we show that that's not true. And the Bible says that that's a hypocrite. And so we need to be honest with where we're at. And if there's any junk in the trunk, things that we need to confess, let's do so right now. If you've been listening to the wrong sources, standing with the wrong people, sitting and sitting under different information outside of the Scripture to your own spiritual harm, repent of it now. Oh, to God that we would only stand where God has us stand, that we would only walk where he calls us to walk on the path of holiness, and that we would sit under what he gives us as wisdom, what he gives us as truth. A few moments right now, those who are praying, I just want you to think about what God is going to do in your life when he does. Expose those things. It's for your good. Those of us who could say, I'm there, you know, I'm doing this pastor by God's grace. Would you think of the illustration God gives us as you meditate right now? Think of your life as a fruitful tree and all the branches coming forth with the things of your life that God has his hand on. I know there may be suffering right now. There may be persecution. There may be resistance and a fight. But don't you believe God is stronger? Don't you believe God is greater? If we don't start right now in prayer and the attitude of faith, how will we have the courage to face what we got to face outside these doors? I'm going to pray for some of the areas right now that most of us can identify with. And as I do, if that's you, just, you know, give an agreement to it and pray in your own words as well. Father, I pray for us to be fruitful vines in our families with our children, with our spouses, even to our grandchildren. God, I pray that we'll be fruitful on our jobs as we work with mostly probably unbelievers, God, those who don't see or acknowledge your greatness upon this earth. God, would you give us influence and prosperity? Lord, would you bless us in our community and cause us to grow and become leaders that can impact change, even as we heard today, change in our schools, change in our businesses, change in our government. Lord, would you pour out your spirit upon your churches? Would you cause the churches to rise up during this hour, to stand up to the Goliaths of this age in the name of Jesus? In the name of Jesus, if you believe that today, can you stand up and give God a hand clap of praise? Come on, somebody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed in the name of Jesus. Band, would you come, please? I'm blessed. Somebody shout it out, I'm blessed. By the best. Come on, I am blessed by the best. In the name of Jesus. Everything that the devil has meant for harm during this time, we rebuke and believe God's going to turn it for good. Even as we've seen in this church, our reputation get marred by some. We've seen it uplifted by others. And God is doing something like I've never seen before. I pray that same blessing over your life and family if you've suffered during this time. 
I pray that as we get ready to dismiss, if everyone could look up at me. If you're praying, that's okay. But if you can, look up at me. I want you to hear this. One day, we're going to be before Christ. And the words that we want to hear is, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I want you to imagine as we're at the marriage supper of the Lamb, we're enjoying our fellowship with the body of Christ, not only from our time, from across the globe, but from all the ages. Imagine you're sitting next to someone and they're enjoying their fellowship, you know, with the saints. And you ask them, how did you get here? And they tell you a story that happens every day across our world. They died. They, mar- they were martyrs for Christ. Maybe they came from the underground church in China. Maybe they were in a concentration camp in North Korea. Just imagine this. And you talk to them and you say, oh, really? Well, what was your life like? And they say, oh, my parents became Christians and they... They turned from the communist government and the worship of ancestors from our, 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 you know, our culture. And we had to meet in secret because it was illegal. But we would come and worship together. We would see signs and wonders. Could you imagine saying back to that young lady, let's say it's a young lady, telling you her story from the underground church in China. Could you imagine saying to her, well, how many followers did you have on Facebook? What kind of clothes did you wear? Because we would think that's a blessing. What college did you go to? Don't get me wrong, those things may be important. They have their place. But would you, in the presence of God, in the presence of the saints, enjoying the fellowship, talking about what God has done, would you think that that would be the blessing to talk about or that would be most important? No, what you would do is you would glorify God for how he blessed, how he blessed this woman of God and how she lived in joyful, happy obedience. And if they were to say back to you, well, tell me your story, would you be like, well, I went to church on Sunday. It was hard sometimes, I know, but someone had to do it. I had to get up and go. No, I want to be able to say something back, not as a one-up, but I want to say something back and go, Well, I've served God and I've seen God's blessings in Chicago. When they were persecuting us and making fun of us, we kept preaching. While the culture changed against us, we used social media for God's glory. I invited all of my friends to come to church. We went and made disciples on the streets. God was good to me as he was to you. You see, when we get there and we tell the stories about how we've overcome we'll be there shining as bright as the sun expressing the goodness of our God and his blessings so my encouragement in closing would be that we would set our mind on those heavenly things now because it's only what's done for God that will last when everything else has passed They said to one of the young missionaries that was going to one of the, I think Peru, one of the Central American countries of unreached people groups. You can hear the story at the end of the spear. They said to this young man, why are you wasting your life to go reach unreached people groups? And eventually he was speared and died there. They said, why are you wasting your life? And he said, everyone has just one life. The one who gives it to Jesus is no fool but the one who uses it for themselves, that is the fool. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm giving my, there is no waste in what we give him now. Do you believe that? 
Amen. Let's close out in prayer as we leave this place. Bless. Father, use us to be great soldiers in the army of the Lord during this season. But during this time of fighting the good fight of faith, may we not forget that there's something greater than a battle. There's something greater than cultural influence that we're fighting against. There is your blessing, and your blessings remain whether they love us or they hate us, whether we win every court decision or whether or not we overturn every law. God, you are still blessing us. We are paving the way for your kingdom to come in whatever place we are in. But, oh God, if we were to have a desire today, it would be to see these things change, oh God, and it would be to see our blessings and inner peace influence and change the world so that we become fruitful in all of these spheres, whatever role we play. Whether we're a Stephen who dies the first day preaching the message, or whether or not we get to live to see nations like Rome bow their knees. God, give us your peace. Give us your happiness so that we may be your blessed people. In Jesus' name, one more time, and all God's people said, Amen. Bless them, saints. Bless him. As you are blessed today, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Come on up for prayer if you would like to join with us or worship.